0: Welcome to the Classic City Church podcast. At C3, we exist to help people pattern their lives after Jesus. This message was first given as part of our teaching series at C3. Awesome. So yeah, over the next three weeks, uh, we will be discussing the vision, the mission, and then the giving. So today is very like... like what is our church going to be like in the future what how are we going to dream for jesus let's think big this is blue sky thinking for you guys who like to dream we're going to this will be great for you and uh, for next week for those of you who guys like details just wait till next week you're going to like next week a lot more i'm a bit i'm a visionary person um, I kind of like to dream. I like to think about what could be, um, and then the mission next week is is how we're going to get there. Um, and, and so you know, you can have a great vision for your life. You can have a great vision for your church, but you need actually disciplined steps and, and rhythms and how to actually implement that those goals um, to get to the big ultimate goal. And then finally, giving Sunday. That every year it's great to come back before God and think about our time, our talents. And our treasures that all things come from God and and each year things change in our lives our, our usually our uh, income changes, uh, our time changes and what our responsibilities are in our lives and also like our energy changes uh, from year to year. And so all those things are really good to come back to God and think, how what am I going to lay down before God? How could I serve the church? How could I serve uh, Jesus? better in my life through all that he has given me. So we're going to look at these over the next three weeks. So Vision Sunday, here we go. Helen Keller once said, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight, but no vision. Okay, if you don't know anything about Helen Keller, Helen Keller was both blind and deaf. So she says, the only thing worse about being blind is having sight, but no vision. The Bible puts it this way. In the King James Version, Proverbs twenty-nine, eighteen says, where there is no vision, the people perish. The New Living Translation puts it this way. When people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. I love that. I think those sound like my teenage years. The Message Version puts it like this. If people can't see what God is doing they stumble all over themselves. Have you ever been in a car where the wheels are not aligned? Um, I one one time I was uh, I picked up my friend Nate uh, from a party. I was his designated driver, and uh, he drove a pickup truck that used was a, a family hand down, which was called Old Red. Okay, so this old rickety F one fifty. It was like a nineteen eighty five pickup truck. I, it probably would still run today. I don't know who owns this pickup truck anymore. But I got in Old Red, and I was driving through downtown Fort Wayne through like really thick. Track- traffic and these really small lanes. And I can remember, I was like, Nate, this, uh, this truck doesn't drive straight. And he goes, oh yeah, you just got to turn a little bit to the left. I was like, all right. So I took the wheel and I was like, it's really like, it's not turning at all. He goes, oh yeah, there's a lot of lag in the wheel. You just kind of got to have to hold it like this. And so if you wanted to drive straight, you had to kind of like hold the wheel like this. And I was like, oh my gosh, I just want to get everybody back in one piece. Like, I don't want to drive old red ever again until it gets realigned. But if you have a car where uh, the wheels are not aligned, what happens is uh, that the, the, the tires, they'll wear out much quicker. Um, it's really hard on uh, the whole car itself. And um, if you're lucky, then you will not get an, into a crash. A church that has no vision. is like a car where the wheels are not aligned. Like an online uh, tires that where they're not aligned, people grow weary. They wear out fast because everybody's trying to accomplish something else. People are just going all over the place. Um, When there is no vision, the church ends up doing a lot of things and some of them can be really good, but they're not necessarily God things. And we call that in the church, we call that mission drift. They're not all working together for one goal. A pastor of a small church in Fort Wayne that's nearby, uh, he once said to me, he's got like a hundred members in his church. So with us and and St. Mark's together, we have about a hundred people, okay? And so it's a similar similar size. And he said, we have over a hundred different programs in our church. I'm so proud of all the different things that we do. And next year, we're going to add three more. He goes, what is your church doing? I said, well, we're going to do three things. We're going to do Alpha. We're going to do um, our Connect groups. Uh, and we're going to put a lot of time and energy and make sure that our worship services are done really well. We want those to be excellent as we want to you know, reach people. So he said, until we get those three things done, we're actually probably not going to do a whole lot else. And so he was kind of silent, and I was very kind of silent for him. I'm like, how can you try to do all of these different things? And do them well. You can't do that. Your church is just going in all different directions. Now, as we grow, as we become 150 or 200 people, if there's more ministries that God calls us to do, by all means, like that would be great. But a church where it's not a line, it's just activity. It's activity and movement are not the same thing. What we want to do is we want to have movement, right? We want to all head in the same direction together, Activity and move, movement are not the same things. Churches that have too many programs, they, they wear their people out, they get burned out without vision. people they, they, what happens is they get comfortable. People fall for the status quo that people settle for a church that is kind of average, if I must say, there's nothing compelling to give your life to. And what happens is rather than being a contributor in the church is that you become a consumer in the church. It all becomes about me and my preferences and what I really want my church to be like. But when you have a compelling vision, you want to give your life to it. There's passion, the Holy Spirit's on fire uh, in the church. And it doesn't matter what building you meet in. We could meet here, we could meet at St. Mark's, we could meet in a park. It doesn't matter. When the church is on fire and the vision is clear and people are laying their lives down and really going for it, we will reach Northeast Indiana for Jesus. But where there is no vision, people stumble people perish, your motivation wanes, ministry fades, and eventually you die as a church. And you could apply these these same principles to your very life. And this is something we don't often do. Do you dream? Does God give you dreams about what your life could be? How much good could you do with your life? Are you living your life like today is your last day? Are you putting it all on the line For Jesus? Are you giving everything over to Jesus? You know, if you're single, this is a great time just to spend deep time, intimate time with God, figuring out what plan or purpose, how could you give so much to God with your life? What greater good could you accomplish in your life? If you're married, dream together. Dream together in your connect group. What could your, you, you as a team of people come together and accomplish with, a, with a, a vision? What good could you bring in our world? Spend that time. Pray into it. Seek the Holy Spirit. What could you passionately put on your heart that you could make a huge difference in God's kingdom for your life? What is the vision for your life? A compelling vision, it moves people into action. A compelling vision won't necessarily, it will not only change your life, but it will catch other people's hearts on fire. And not only will you benefit from a great vision, but you'll just want to surrender and give everything to it. When it really captures your heart, what God wants for you, you will be on fire for it. You will change your whole life. Jesus put it this way in Matthew 10, verse 39. He says, whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for the sake of my will will find it. If you want a God-sized life, it means laying it down for the sake of Jesus. It means picking up your cross and carrying it. Which is really hard for me to stand up here and say, hey, you want a great big-sized God's life? What you need to do is you need to pick up your cross... That's a great advertisement. They never tell you that when you, before you go into seminary. And then afterwards, they're like, yeah, you're going to have to tell people they're going to have to die to themselves. That sounds, like a great, that sounds like a great thing to tell people. Jesus gave a great big vision to his disciples, his 11 disciples, um, before he left this world, before he ascended to heaven and before he sent the Holy Spirit. He gathered his remaining 11 disciples. And he said these words to him in Matthew 28, which is called the Great Commission. This is where we'll pick up at verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. If you don't want to know what the purpose of the church is, that is the purpose of the church, to make disciples, that make disciples, to make disciples. My dad made sure that I had this absolutely drilled in my head when I was a kid, right? That this is the main purpose of the church, is to multiply uh, disciples. So what is a disciple? A disciple in Hebrew, it comes from the word talmudim. A Talmudim would follow a rabbi. So Jesus, though he was the Son of God, he was also a teacher. And his disciples called him rabbi. That's why often when you read through the scriptures, you say, they'd say, Rabbi, what does this mean? Or rabbi. Jesus was a teacher. And so he had um, 12 followers, which he called his Talmudim. And his Talmudim, they had three goals, right? They were to be with Jesus to be like Jesus, and then go and do what Jesus did. Can we say those three goals together? They were, number one, to be with Jesus, to be like Jesus, and then do what Jesus did. So the ultimate goal for the disciples was not that they would stay disciples, is that they would become master apprentices for Jesus. So after Matthew 28, we just read out Matthew 28, which is Jesus sending out his 12 disciples or his 11 remaining disciples. Jesus ascends to heaven to go be with the Father. There's the sending of the Holy Spirit. And then the book of Acts is all about Jesus's ministry everywhere. They start going and being master apprentices of Jesus. Are you a master apprentice of Jesus? Our preschool, St. Mark's Early Learners, one of my favorite things is um, seeing the kids arrive. I give, sometimes I hand out coffee to the parents. And the kids, they'll high-five me on the way in. And there's this one kid, oh, he's so cute. He comes up and he high-fives me. He goes, good morning, Master John. (laughs) And I've never corrected him. I just said, good to see you, buddy. (sighs) Master John. John. But that's the point, right? That we aren't supposed to be, we're not supposed to stay as students of Jesus. We're to be formed into the image of Jesus, to be like him, we're to be with him, to be like him, and go and do what he did. We're to become master apprentices of Jesus so that we can train others to be with Jesus, to be like Jesus, and go and do what Jesus did. So, I asked my friend Quinn, I said, I'm going to talk about being a Jedi for Jesus. Do you have a lightsaber? He goes, I have four. I said, I said, why do you have four? He goes, well, I had five, but I broke one playing with it. And, and so this is one of his, and the other three are in my office. I've been um, maybe looking, playing with them in the week, but... <laughs> I mean, this is a pretty cool one. These things, are, these things are not cheap. And if you actually look at his lightsaber, he actually does play with it because they're marked up on the side. But these are, these are pretty sweet. So if you don't know anything about Star Wars, that's OK. Just nerd out with me for a little bit here, OK? Stick with me. OK, I'm going to put this down before somebody gets hurt, or I get hurt. OK, so a when you're training to be a Jedi, a Jedi is, is the ultimate like hero, right? The ultimate good, right? They, they are, they are like the ultimate, they use the force, they can move things with their hands and uh, it's just, it's just amazing, right? Like they, they are, they are rare, right? And so, but each um, Jedi, they are to train what they call one of their students and, and they're, they're called Padawans, that they're their apprentices and they're to train them to be like them. And, uh, if you are familiar with Star Wars at all, there was um, Anakin Skywalker, uh, who was Luke Skywalker's father, right? Which you find out later, in, who later becomes Darth Vader. I also have a Darth Vader mask at my house, which I did not wear today, but I, it actually has a voice box that changes it. It's awesome. Okay, but, so, so stick with me, okay? So you have Anakin Skywalker, who later becomes Darth Vader, who's the ultimate bad guy, obviously, in Star Wars. So um, so before he becomes Darth Vader, Anakin Skywalker has an apprentice, a Padawan, which is called Ahsoka. And this is the new TV sh- series that's out right now on Disney+. Plus. It's, um, and Ahsoka, this, this TV show is all about Ahsoka. So in this picture, you can see Anakin Skywalker here on the right. And then you have Ahsoka there on the left. And the interesting thing is that Ahsoka never finished her training. So she never became really a full Jedi. I mean, they call her a Jedi and she can come down and do everything like a Jedi does. But she left Anakin Skywalker because he, she could see him going over to the dark side. She didn't like some of the things that he was doing. So she went off and she never completed her training. So in this series, this is after, obviously, uh, Darth Vader dies. And, uh, and Ahsoka has a dream or a vision. And in this dream or in this vision, uh, she meets with Anakin Skywalker. And this is what Anakin says to her. Anakin says in this dream or in this vision, he says to Ahsoka, I'm here to finish your training, to make you a leader. Ahsoka, within you will be everything I am, all the knowledge I possess, just as I inherited knowledge from my master and he from his. You're a part of a legacy. Esther and I watched this show and we got into bed and I, turn, I kind of turn over to Esther and I kind of nudge her She's, before she falls asleep. I said, Hey, in Ahsoka, hey, did you think that um, that was just like being a disciple of Jesus, what he said? I am you and you and me. That's part of our legacy. And Esther's like, That's exactly what I was thinking about. So, this is what pastor and pastors' wives talk about, like right before we go to bed. You should hear our conversations after the Lord of the Rings and other things. And Narnia. Like, these are all kind of like, we get really excited about what conversations. We're like, that's clearly what a disciple is meant to be. Let me read this out again. I am here to finish your training, to make you a leader, Ahsoka. Within you will be everything I am. All knowledge I possess, just as I inherited knowledge from my master and he from his. You're a part of a legacy That is beautiful. That's why our vision here is our vision is to leave a legacy of leaders for Christ. We envision lives changed, disciples multiplied, new churches planted, and cities transformed. We want to see people not only start in a relationship with Jesus, but we want people to grow into being master apprentices for Jesus. That's why we had Mitch come and preach last week. That's why so much of our band all the time look like they just got out of high school. I'm sorry, Isaiah, I'm just joking. (laughs) But you guys made me feel old, but that's awesome. But that's part of the plan of this church is that we want to give keys and access to the leaders because our church, what we need is we need the younger generation to to, to be raised up, to take on, to be the future leaders of the church. Our church in America needs this. We need young people to say, I want to go for it for Jesus. I want to do something for my generation. The global church today has over 2 billion followers of Jesus. And that's because we made disciple after disciple after disciple of Jesus. That students of Jesus became teachers of Jesus. This is Jesus's legacy, which we call the church. So here's a question that I want you to ask yourself. What's, what would be more important? Having a large youth group or having a small youth group, but we trained another leader along the side of the youth leader for the future? The answer would be the slightly smaller youth group. Though it says it's, you know, it feels good to have big numbers and say, oh, we've got 40, 50, we've got 100 kids in our youth group or whatever. But if you're training somebody to be another youth leader alongside that current youth leader, you're multiplying somebody else to be in going and being a youth leader at another church or to plant a church in the future. And in the kingdom of God, multiplication always beats addition. My JEDI training came from my pastor, Mick Woodhead. He was my pastor in Sheffield, England. And when I was there, my six years there, I learned to think like Mick. I learned to dress like Mick. Now, he wouldn't wear this, but um, he would have like a little sweater on. And that's what vicars wear in England because it's cold all the time, though it's a little cold in here today. I learned to think like him. I learned to walk like him. I learned to... Uh, lead like him. I learned what foods he liked and which foods gave him a tummy ache. I knew everything about Mick. Maybe not everything, but I learned an awful lot. I knew his preferences. I knew what he would like to do within the church. He would say things like this, and I still remember them today. He would walk around and he'd say, it's not about you. Get over it. Another key phrase of his, would say, he would say, FDM, focus plus discipline equals momentum. But one of my favorite phrases is when he'd get really fired up because we were in the Church of England, and the Church of England, if you don't know anything about it, uh, it's, uh, it is dying actually very, very quickly. Uh, it has a lot of wealth, it has a lot of money, so there's a lot of buildings, and there's a lot of, like, I don't know, silver plates and gold cups and things like that that they have in the Church of England. And Mick would get so fed up with this because there was nobody to pass it on to. There was hardly any youth in, any, any across all of the Church of England. And we lived in Sheffield where like 1% of the city actually attended church. And he would said, what are we doing? He goes, he, and his phrase would be, sell the silver. Who cares? Get rid of it. We need to do something so that we can get the youth into the church. And I remember this about Mick, that he was so passionate in these phrases that he would say, I could think like Mick, I could lead like Mick, I learned to be everything like him, maybe sometimes too much like him. And one time I can remember we went to another church, our staff team. We, our staff team was quite big. We had like 15, maybe 20 people on staff. And we took a, a team day to another church. And I can remember these two other churches had leaders. And they like, they drilled us by like, you know, they, they asked our student team, our youth team. Our, they asked us these same questions over and over again. And we're like, why are you guys asking us all this question? And they came to the end of the day and they said, you guys act like you're brainwashed. You all give the same answers. And that's right, we did. Because we were all apprentices of Mick. We were his Padawans. We were his disciples. You know, one of the great things I think about Mick is that he really encouraged young people to preach, to speak, to to be in ministry and things like that. And I was thinking about it, and there's probably today around the world, both in England and around the world, there's like 20 probably pastors that are are people because he just gave them a voice. Either they're people who planted churches or are leading other churches around the world. And when I say world, I mean outside of England, I mean Auburn, Indiana, but (laughs) around the world. Like, and I think that's awesome. Like that church is still there in Sheffield. But I think about the greater, wider impact that Mick had on his life is that he raised people not only to be students, but to be leaders. It's it's one of the main reasons why I'm here today. That and my dad, I'm sure he's been praying that for his entire life that I would become a pastor, right mom? But in our church, if we want a future for the church here in America, we have to have a mind shift. We have to understand that who we invest in is more important than what we do, what we accomplish, or what we accumulate as a church. And that's really a hard sell for America because we really like our stuff. We like fancy stuff. We like our comfort. We like our own preferences. We like it how we want to do it. We're very picky about our Jesus. That's why we have about 150 denominations in the, in the American church that all basically believe the same thing. right? Who we invest in is more important than what we do, what we accomplish, or what we accumulate as a church. Next week, we'll be talking about the mission of our church, the practical details. But my question that I want to leave us with today is, what kind of church do you want to build? Do you want a church where it's just an average church? You come on a Sunday, you sing some songs, you go home, and you get back to your life. You want to be just I mean, we could be a mediocre church if you want to. It doesn't sound very exciting to me. Or do you want to be a church that just lays it all down for the name of Jesus? Do you want to be a church that, that, that serves well, that, that just gives all of our time, our talent, our treasures? We just go for it for the gospel, right? We just lay it all out and say, Holy Spirit, lead us forward. We want to build your kingdom right here. Or do you want to settle for... Well, that's church on a Sunday, and I can grab some brunch after this and then watch the Colts game. Nothing wrong with watching the Colts game, by the way. Go Colts. But do you want to be a church that, ra- that recruits, raises, and resources the next generation? Or are we here a church for ourselves? Do you want to be a church that's for yourself, or do you want to be a part of something greater than yourself? Something that you can leave behind to the next generation and the next generation? after that. Are you about yourself and your own preference or are you about legacy? But if you choose legacy, let me tell you this, it will cost you everything. Discipleship is like a thousand tiny little deaths to yourself. When Jesus says, pick up your cross and carry it, he's not joking. It'll cost you. If you want legacy, it'll cost you your time It'll cost you your energy, it will cost you your money, it will cost you your life. But if you're willing to lay that down, you will not have an average, mediocre, or boring life. What you will have and what you will find is what Jesus calls life and life to the full. A tiny, small death to ourselves leads to a life of legacy, one that outlives ourselves. It, but it means laying everything down for the sake of Jesus. Jesus says this in Mark 10:45, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Will you be a consumer or will you be a contributor? Are you about yourself or are you about sacrifice? Do you have a small vision for your life? Or do you want to leave a legacy? Be careful what you choose because you can't choose both. I'm going to invite Mike up here and he's going to lead us in our final song. Would you stand with me? Jesus, Lord, I pray that you would stir in our hearts what you want for us, Lord. Not our will be done, but your will be done. Lord, we pray that we see um, St. Mark's and Classic City just grow for you and your kingdom. But Lord, we pray that it would be all about you. Lord, I pray that you would set our church on fire, both here at at Classic City Church and at St. Mark's. Lord, we pray that everything would be about your glory. Lord, we pray that we'd see tons of kids and youth and young adults and just people of God going for it. God, Lord, I just pray that we would see students of Jesus become master apprentices of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would help us to play our part in Auburn, DeKalb County, and Northeast Indiana, along with the other great churches here. And we say, pray that we do it all for your name's sake. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And God's people said... Amen. We hope that this message helps you to grow in a relationship with Jesus. Connect with us at classiccitychurch.org.